Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. You like the you you know like the uh, Shiite Muslims you know they they dress differently they dress they just to be different. But when you separate yourself from the world and then unto God, that's the key. So I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for the church. I, I'm doing this for Him because this is what pleases Him, and I I want to please the Lord. Amen. Well, we've reversed that language a lot. I, I was raising this, you know, my, my grandmother was one of the most praying women. Um, the day she died, hell threw a party. I, I guarantee you, when her feet hit the floor, hell went, oh, not her again. I mean, she'd pray to paint off the walls and make the demons go and paint it back on. But they, 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 they lived with the verbiage of they wanted to please the Lord. And it was about what can I do for the Lord rather than what can the Lord do for me? How can I bless God rather than how God can bless me? That's, that's the depth of that relationship that we must have in living for God is understanding that our holiness is not of ourself, but it is unto God the Lord. Amen. And so we talked about the spirit of holiness. Now we're talking about uh, the setting of a standard. Now standards can be of great value when used for the right purpose. Paul taught that the gifts of the spirit were most useful when administered in love. We went through that in 1 Corinthians 13. Similarly, standards will be most beneficial when we understand their purpose and that they are administered in love. Amen. Holiness is never meant to be a ball bat. Right, right. Holiness is never meant to be a ball bat. I've been in places where they got up and started swinging at each other, hitting each other with all this, you know, I'm holier than you are and preach against everything but fresh air. That's not of God. God's nowhere near that. God's nowhere near that. Amen. We understand that it is most effective. When what we do is administered in love. The more the purpose and use of standards are understood, the better qualified a person will be to keep them. And this is depicted in Psalms chapter 20. As David writes and says, The Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God will we set up our banners. Everybody say banners. banners. It's the word standards. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven. With the saving strength of his right hand, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. David had a close relationship with God. I think it's safe to say David had a close fellowship with the Lord and wanted banners to be set up in the name of the Lord. Now banners, those physical banners, they literally mean standard. The word banner and standard are interchangeable. He wanted banners, physical standards that identified him and his people to be with the Lord God. They indicated to others where his strength came from, what he had to rejoice in and who would fight his battles. And as the armies marched on the field, they carried standards that would say, our hope is in the Lord. Our help is in the Lord. Amen. In the spiritual walk, there were also standards that identify the church as belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. When people do not fear the enemy, they are willing to wave those banners high. 
Fear sometimes hinders, hinders us. And fear hinders our vigorous display of the battle standard, amen, that tells whose side that we're on. On the other hand, courage and boldness in this warfare against sin cause the church to bravely lift high the standard, telling the world on whose side we are. We belong to the Lord and God is on our side, amen? And so we lift that standard. Everybody say the standard. standard. Amen. So the first question would be, why have standards? Ask that to me. Y'all ask the best questions, I'm telling you. I, I couldn't have come up with a better one. So why standards? Well, the church is ordained, first of all, to be a light to the world. Light stands out in darkness, right? I, one of my favorite quotes, not just of this particular man, but one of my favorite quotes, period, outside of the Bible is Dr. King when he said that darkness cannot drive out darkness only Light can do that, and hate can't drive out hate, only love can. It's the same thing. If we are the kingdom of God, that's the kingdom of the light. We have been called to be the light. Light, when light appears, darkness flees from its presence. Light stands out in the darkness and causes the church to be conspicuous to the world. It's noticeable, and it's obvious. They're not like everybody else. Matter of fact, Jesus would emphasize this in Mark excuse me, in Matthew 5 and 14 through 16, when he would declare, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. So God has called us to be that light. That is not hid. I remember there was a season some years ago, um, the, the ecumenical world got on this kick about being a silent witness. I'm just going to be a silent witness for the Lord. I mean, it was a big deal. I'm a silent witness. You know how stupid that is? That's got to be one of the dumbest campaigns ever heard. Let's just say I'm being a prostitute for Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a crackhead for the Holy Ghost. I'm a silent witness. Where do you ever get that from? Not what Jesus said. He said, be a light that can't be hid. Now, you don't have to be a flamethrower. Some people can't learn the balance. They think they've got to take their light and just torch everybody. Be a light. Be a light. Silent witness. I asked somebody, I said, you really want to be a silent witness? Yeah, yeah. Well, you really want to be? A... Okay, you've been accused of murder. But I was with you the time they said you murdered somebody. I'm going to get on the witness stand and go. I'm going to be a silent witness. Were you with this person at the time of that murder? Don't you care about them? Yes, I love them so much. I'm not going to witness Amen. So God wants us to be that light. God wants us to be that, that witness. Can you say amen? amen. And, and what he wants us to do is attract people to him. Now, I understand first, this is one thing we got to understand. We can't win people to Jesus if we can't win them to us. Yes, sir. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. You're Typically, now I, I, I should say never, but you know, never say never. It's too broad of a brush. But like nine nine point nine 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 percent of the time, you're never going to win somebody by being a jerk, or being obtuse, or or cold, or coy. You're not going to win them like that. Really, it's being a friend, right? It's it's being nice. You're just going to walk up to them and go. You sinner bound for hell, repent. <laughs> right? You don't want to do that. It's typically when you show them kindness. Amen. And so we want to attract people to the Lord Jesus. Right? This is that simple. That which attracts attention to a person is the light for others to see. 
Some people have a bright personality. They can walk into a room, not know anybody, and in five minutes, you know, everybody's talking to them. They're a light. God wants us to have that light in us for him. To attract people, not to us necessarily, but to him through us. Be that light. Something as simple as extremely flamboyant clothing can draw a person's flesh, draw attention to a person's flesh, and cause others to misinterpret that person's spirit and true character. Right? It's like I say to our, our married folks. I'd say, well, I say to all our folks. Uh, just a little old saying, it, if, ain't for, if it ain't for sale, don't be advertising it. Amen. If it ain't for sale, don't advertise. Don't dress in a way that would advertise those goods that are reserved for your spouse, right? And so we can attract people the wrong way. Amen. If I'm causing someone to fascinate over my appearance, right, over me, then how am I going to get them to Jesus, right? I know it's extremely simple, amen. In the same manner, listen, modest clothing can control physical attraction toward an individual. You, you don't have to walk around wearing a, a burlap sack. You can, right? I think people misunderstood this. I've got to be ugly to be holy. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> The Bible says he beautifies the meek. Amen. I actually get offended when I go into public and see people acting like that. You know, well, we're going to be holy. Might as well just be as unattractive as possible. And some people really succeed in that. <laughs> Amen. And it has nothing to do with being pretty or handsome. I, I don't even mean that. I'm talking, you know, they're just being a slob. You don't go out in public being a slob. Tell people you go to another church. Don't tell them you go to this church. <laughs> Come see me afterwards, and I'll tell you which church to tell them you go to. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, go, go to Walmart and, or Target, and, and somebody's wearing their moo-moo and house slippers and hair all up in curlers. and That's not, that really, is that a good witness? No. I mean, I know it used to, that was a big deal. Now you go to the airport and people wear their pajamas in the airport. So, dear Lord, how far have we gone? Amen. So we, we, we need to attract people to the Lord. Amen. Uh, this is going to reveal the Christian personality and allow the true character of that person to stand out rather than trying to attack people, attract people to being flamboyant or eye-grabbing. Amen. The church is appointed to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ. We should reflect his light and his glory to the world. It's the objective of the church to draw attention to the one whom we represent rather than ourselves. In everything we do, and in everything we do, we should endeavor to be identified with Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. I don't care if my shirt says Levi's. I still want to be identified with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so uh, the standards, when properly applied to our living, help bring that identity about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verses 19 and 20. Let's, let's see what it says, what Paul says there about our bodies, about us attracting attention to the Lord. Amen. Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Did you see the way he said that? What? He opened up with a question. What? No, you not. It was like a, like, it's like a Greek duh. Like duh. <laughs> I think the Greek pronunciation of that word is huh? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? He, he was surprised they didn't get this. He was shocked. Well, you, don't, you don't get this? How many times have you helped your child with their homework and you painstakingly went over it with them and you're like, two plus two is 
let's do it again. <laughs> two, got two fingers. I had two more fingers. I get how many? And it's like, they're staring off into space. If you got an ADHD child like I do, you know. 44? Yeah. Okay, let's do it again. And they finally get it. And you're like, okay, take the test. And they take the test. And you look at 2 plus 2, and they wrote down 22. And you go, what? <laughs> no, ye not. <laughs> that two twos make four. I said, no, you're not. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Look at verse 20, for you are bought with a price. That means I'm not my own. He purchased me. Therefore, glorify God. So for all the people say, well, God don't care how you look. And all that. Put that in your sanctified teacup and sip on it. <laughs> glorify God in your That was for that group that says, well, God don't care how you look. Then he's going to hit the other group that says, God don't care how you act. Which are, I'm a free moral agent. I'm an American. I've got rights. Hmm. Explain that one to the Lord. Amen. You can do what you want to do. God's a gentleman. He won't force us to do anything. He just gives us his word and says, this is what it takes to be like me and to be holy. Let, let, me, let me read this same passage out of the Message Bible, of which I'm not a great fan, but, but let me read it in, 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 in the way they put it in very modern conversational terms. It reads like this, beginning at verse 16. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. This is a, this is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies were made for God-given and God-molded love for becoming one with another. Or did you not realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Amen. You can tell modern theologians put that one together. It's wordy. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It all belongs to the Lord. Let people see God through your body. Amen. Amen. Now, what do standards represent? Okay. A standard is a flag or a banner. Flags represent certain customs and traditions of a country or people. They speak to lifestyles. They speak to philosophies of that culture or that life. A nation desires to project a good image with its representative flag. Amen. We put our flags, we don't have them in here, you saw them in there. Every country put a lot of thought into their flag. What are they going to put on their flag that represents, uh, that represents their nation? Amen. Ours is stripes, uh, red and white stripes, and, and oh, there we go. And, um, and, and the blue and the white stars, and the Philippines is the sun, and, and you see all that one of my favorite, I think it's Mozambique. They put an AK-47 on it. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And the country I'm from, very similar to the American flag, the Texas flag. It's got one star. <laughs> Amen. I was talking to somebody, I think it was today or yesterday, they just found out for the first today that Texas was a nation before it was a state. And they were like, really? And I said, yeah. <laughs> We try to educate everybody. Amen. 
So a nation desires to project a good image with its representative flag. Its constituents want people to think of their quality form of government, military power and authority, and their disciplines and united convictions, and they want to somehow project it onto that flag. Amen. They're particularly interested in demonstrating their uniqueness, those qualities that will make them distinct from any other nation on earth. Amen. From the connotation of the flag being an identifying object and a representation of distinction came from the ideas of standards in a moral sense. Standards became a term used for a model or example to be followed. They are patterns or criteria by which the world identifies our uniqueness and distinctions as the people of God. They are flags that let the world know that we belong to Jesus. So standards let the world know. God's standards let the world know we belong to the Lord. Well, why don't you go to those places? Because the standard I bear says I don't go to those places. Why don't you watch that? Because the standard I carry demands that I don't be entertained by those things. Does that make sense? Amen. So the standard is the identifying marker. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. I've not even got, I told you it's going to be weeks before I got into specifics. I'm talking about generality of holiness and standards. We're, we're getting all the specifics later on in the fall when it's cooler. Amen. <laughs> but to understand that God's people have a, when we carry the standard, holiness is God's trademark on his people. Yes. Yes. When you see a Ford, you know it's a Ford, right? You don't. I don't really know anybody looks at Ford and go, I wonder if that's a Chevy. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't look at a Dodge and go, I, I wonder if that's a GMC. Right? Anybody ever went up to your new gorgeous Dodge and said, hey, is that a GMC? No, because right on the front of it's got a Ram. Right? When Addie was really little, she liked those... Uh, little pony things, and so every one of them had a cutie mark, you know, and, and like the horse, ironically, the horse that wanted to be a cow, cowboy had a horseshoe, I think his name was Applejack, and they had a, hey, listen, if she was into it, I was into it, okay, <laughs> and so for the longest, she would say, look at that car's cutie mark, <laughs> so, so they didn't have emblems, they had cutie marks, amen. So if you're really into my little pony, God's holiness is his cutie mark on your life, right? It's God, it's God identifying that you're his. You belong to him. You're separate from the world, right? You belong to him. It's his trademark, his logo on us that, that, that we identify as being Christ's. Oh, even in a more profound sense, in battle, the flag identifies the soldiers of each side. Since the church is engaged in spiritual warfare, I think it's reasonable that there be certain flags or standards that's going to identify us with the church of the living God. Yeah. Amen. You don't, you, don't want to, you don't want friendly fire. And you don't want the enemy to cross the line. You, you need to know where the line is. Who's on the Lord's side? Who's, who's fighting on the Lord's side? It's really easy. Lift up the standard. Amen. We, we ought to be able to observe these are people of God. These are people of God. Amen. The enemy must know that we are not part of his regime, that we are not his regiment. We are not his ally. We don't look like him. We don't act like him. We don't think like him. We don't talk like him. We don't go where he goes. We are different. We hold up another standard. The standard of God. Our standard symbolizes which act as a flag to tell the world upon what convictions we stand we need convictions you need to get some God convictions in you Amen. if somebody says why do you do that don't say because my pastor told me so because the next thing they're going to ask is what flavor Kool-Aid do they pass around <laughs> and if you don't get it google it well never mind don't google it ask somebody older than you well, let me just do it because I'm confusing somebody. That's, that was a cult. They all drank Kool-Aid and died. It was terrible. 
Well, why do, you, why do you not go there? Well, because my church says I can't go there. That's not a reason. We need to be of the Lord. Say, because I, I have a conviction. I have a conviction. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not participating in that. Uh, Grandpa used to tell me, uh, uh, we'd get around people, and of course, Bishop Price had, you know, a lot of influence, and he would go somewhere, and this guy would talk about his conviction, and one guy kept talking, I got these convictions, and, and they were a little ridiculous, you know. I got this conviction, I'm only going to wear a white shirt. I got this conviction, I'm only going to wear a dark suit. I got these convictions. And Brother Price looked at me and said, Brother, you don't got convictions. And he said, Oh, yes, I do, Brother Price. I, I've got, Brother Price said, A conviction is what you're willing to die for if somebody puts a gun to your head. If you won't die for it, it's your preference. We need to get convictions. We need to get convictions that said, no, no, I, I, in this army, I signed up to live. And in this army, if needs be, I'll die. I am in the army of the Lord, lifting up the standard of Christ. Amen. There's places, there's things I'm not going to do. There's people, I, there's groups I'm not going to associate with. Why? Because they carry a different standard. Well, if we're trying to be a light. Well, there's a difference in trying to be a light and then putting a bushel under it so you don't offend the darkness. Amen. I'll move on. No, I'll say it. You got to watch who's influencing who. My mom always used to say, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. My, my mom told me one time, you're going to be a dummy. I said, why do you think I'm going to be a dummy? She said, because all your friends are dummies. <laughs> like the parson that goes and, you know, they get caught at the bar. Well, what are you doing at the bar? Aren't you an usher? Oh, yeah, but I was there just witnessing. <laughs> yeah. Way to kill that witness. <laughs> I didn't drink anything but water. Doesn't matter. What about the people that saw you walking out? And, and, and who is influencing who? I want to be around people who, who encourage me to be more like Jesus. Rather than encourage me to be more like the world or encourage me to sin more. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. Living for God's the greatest life in the world. Believe me, I tried the alternative. It was terrible. Amen. It'll kill you. (laughs) When you live for the Lord, you find out there's freedom and liberty and joy. And I, I, you know, the Bible, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. We used to call it straddling the fence. You can't straddle the fence. You can't put one foot over here and one foot over here in the church. Uh, the Bible tells a story about a young person that tried that in the book of Acts. His name was Eutychus. And the Bible said Paul was long in preaching. You, you ought to love the fact that I preach under six hours. Because, <laughs> because in the book of Acts, they preached many hours. And the Bible said Paul was long in preaching and Eutychus was setting up in the back, up in the window. And he fell asleep. Anybody remember the story about Eutychus? What happened? Paul was preaching and Eutychus felt the victory and he jumped up and started shaking and dancing and speaking in tongues and joined the choir and joined. No. He fell asleep and what happened? He fell where? Out of the window. He didn't fall in. He fell out. You got to be careful where you sit. Amen. I, I don't mean physically in the church, you know what I mean? But you got to be careful where you're positioned in the kingdom. See, Eutychus, Eutychus wanted to, wanted to uh, fulfill his obligations to religion and be in the church. Hi, everybody. I'm in the church. I'm here. I'm here. Hi. Hello. I'm here. He was up in the window in the very back. So to everybody in the church, he appeared to be in the church. But to everybody outside the church, he could also be seen 
so people in the church thought, oh, Eutychus is in church. And his friends thought, oh, Eutychus is one of us. Until he got bored with the word. And he fell asleep. And he didn't fall on the altar. He fell out and died. He fell on his head and broke his neck. Amen. So remember where you lean is where you fall. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Where you lean is where you'll fall. You lean to carnality, you're going to fall in carnality. You lean in perversion, you'll fall in perversion. You lean into worldliness, you'll fall into worldliness. You, you, you lean into ungodliness, you'll fall into it. But as for me, I'm going to lean in the everlasting arms of God. Lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct. If you're going to lean, lean on him. Amen. Lean on, on him. Praise God. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Praise God. Uh, so, so our standards are symbols of which act as a flag upon that the world can notice these are our convictions. These standards have to do with, with what we wear and how we wear it. You have sleeves to your fingertips and your britches dragging the floor. But you can have the wrong spirit. So it matters what we wear, how we wear. It matters where we go and where we don't go. What we say, what we don't say. Who we hang out with and who we won't hang out with. In other words, they identify us as disciples of Jesus Christ. Standards represent distinction. Everybody say distinction. God has always maintained a separate people. Whereas the devil entices the church to mix with the world and sin. God's people have always been a separate people. That's never going to change. It's never going to change. God's always going to have a separate people. Amen. The world is under the influence of hell. It is trying the unisex look. It's trying to uh, blend everything, the, the gender blender, the gender confusion. But God has always made a conspicuous distinction between male and female. God designed it that way. That looks like a man. That must be a man. That looks like a woman. That ought to be. That, that, oh, that's a woman. Amen. I'd not have to do the check. Amen. Praise God. God, God designed women to be ladylike and men to be masculine. And I know that, and I know that that's a, that masculine is a four-letter word in this society. Well, it's toxic masculinity. You ought to thank God for that toxic masculinity, because it laid on the beaches of Normandy so you could have freedom today. Amen. We want equality. No, you don't want equality. I guarantee you, the ship goes down. You're going to run up. I'm a lady. That's right. Right. They want all this. I'm all for. I think I'm all for equality. I love that. I think, and it should be that way. It's right. You ought to be. You ought to be treated. You know. You know. You've heard me say this before. You know. Neck down, we're all minimum wage. Neck down, we're all minimum wage. It's what you invest here that's going to distinct you, right? But they want all this. You know, equality. Well, how come, how come like 99.99% of all bricklayers in the world are men? How come they don't want equality there? <laughs> like 100% of executions in the prison are of men. Why don't they want equality there? I worked construction. I was a sheetrock hanger. It was 100% men. How come there are no women out marching out there saying, I'll hang 12-footers on the ceiling? They just want the good stuff, right? The easy stuff. Well, God, God designed men to be masculine for a reason. is to be a protector. The Bible says the woman is the weaker vessel. Doesn't mean the dumber vessel. It's funny when you say that. People start getting triggered. Well, I'm not as weak as... Okay. Yeah. Go slap Mac Tyson in the face and tell him you're equal. You know, it was funny. They're finally coming around to the fact that, that, that 
There is a difference between men and women. Shocking. They, they can, men can lift heavier weights. I thought it was awesome a couple years ago. This guy, he's not even an athlete. He walked into this gym where they were having this women's tournament deadlifting. And he's like just some, you know, guy goes to the gym like once or twice a month. And he walked over to the world record, reached down, whap, and popped up the deadlift and set a record for the women. <laughs> because they're different. The bone structure is different. The chemicals are different. Everything's different. Hey, man, if you're confused about what you are, I've said this before, and I don't mean to be crude. It's really easy to solve it. If you don't know what you are, go to the bathroom. Look. You'll know really quick. And if you're confused, see a biologist. They'll start with birds and bees and work their way up to mammals. Amen. But it's really easy. God designed it that way. And I know I'm being a little silly, but I never thought in my lifetime I'd have to stand up here and make a case biblically that men are men or women are women and God wants women to be women and men to be men. And now more than ever, we need to hold the lines of distinction between men and women because that's how God designed it. Amen. That's how God designed it. And, and, and I, I, I can't help but be tickled if I... If I if I don't laugh at this stuff, I'm going to get mad. And I don't want to get mad. I want to laugh. But, you know, all of a sudden, the, the 430th man swimmer joins the women's team, and he's a national champion women swimmer. And they tell you, man, this guy's the greatest thing in the world. What's the athlete that was on the Wheaties box? Married to those crazy women, huh? Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner. Becomes a woman, he gets woman of the year. I, I, I told some feminist people I know, I said, who knew it took a man to be the best woman? <laughs> Men or women, every women's category there is. Sports, beauty, did you see Miss Universe? Is a man putting on a bikini? Miss Universe. My Lord. Man, I'm telling you, people are crazy in a sprayed cockroach. I ain't never seen a pretty man in my whole life. Women need to act like women, dress like women, behave like women. The Bible says, as professes godliness. And men are supposed to act like men, not like women. I'm, I'm, I get nervous around feminine men or masculine women. Because it's not, it's not in the order of God. And I'm standing on the Bible. I'm not poking fun of it. I'm, I'm, I, it's just like, well, something's off. They said, Pastor, stop. You don't know. Hey, if it quacks like a duck and waddles like a duck, it ain't a chicken. I'm going to use my God-given five senses here. The Bible says that we should observe. People say, well, you're judging. You're not supposed to judge. And only biblically ignorant people use that. You're not supposed to. Jesus told us to judge. Have you lost your mind? Jesus said, look at a tree. Okay, Jesus, I'm looking at it. What kind of fruit do you see? Orange. But this tree identifies as an apple tree. It ain't an apple tree. It's an orange tree. And it ain't enough for the orange tree to say they're an apple tree. Now they're going to force you to agree with their opinion. But I'm going to agree with the word of God. And keep it simple. Amen. We're going to love them. But we're not going to let them have influence over us. And parents, you shouldn't let them kind of people have influence over your children. If you got one of those Teachers in your school for your kids, the one that wears the, looks like the Skittles threw up all over their room, don't let your kid go to that class. Don't let your kid go to that class. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little riled up right now in the Holy Ghost. Don't let your kid go to a class like that. That kind of a teacher is a groomer. They're a sexual predator. That's exactly, any adult that wants to talk to a child about their sexual preference is a deviant. A deviant. 
And, and children are gullible. Somebody said the other day, well, look at 20% of this, of Gen X says they're gay. Yeah? And what are they being taught? They also believed a fat man in a red suit slid down a chimney. They, they used to believe a bunny brought eggs. They used to believe all this outlandish stuff. Why? Because children are gullible. And we're handing our children to this. And I'm telling you, if we as parents don't make a stand against this. Now, you don't know. I've only been pastor here five and a half years. But Vacaville can tell you for 14 years I've been preaching this. The LGBTQ movement does not want equality. They want your children. And I've had people say, you're just being, you're being a homophobe or a transphobe or whatever phobe slur they can throw at me. That stuff don't matter. I don't, don't mean anything to me. And it said, for years I had people tell people that went to our church, your pastor's just a homophobe. Because pa I said, they want your children. They are predators. And this last LBG Pride March, they're from New York to San Francisco, they're chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children chanted it those people ought to be arrested grown men with not a stitch of clothing on walking over in front of four and five and six year old kids and twerking in front of minor children they are predators and I'll say this and I thank God at neither campus we ain't got an issue with this so let's make it clear go ahead and settle it nip it in the bud right now amen if you take your child or allow your child to go to one of those events you should have your child removed from you amen because God's church is a holy church it's a separate church it's not like the world it's not like the world we seek to give children life and life more abundantly by doing what the Bible says and raise our children in the ways of God. Teach them from the rising of the sun until they go down at night. The Shema of Israel, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. To teach our children to love thy neighbor as you love yourself. To teach our children to behave in a way and treat others as you would want others to treat you. Those are the things we need to be teaching based on the word of God. And, and, and isn't it amazing in 2023 I sound in the ear of a secularist or a non-Christian I sound like an extremist rather than that's in the book amen I didn't mean to get on this brother uh, Roberto's got my notes he's in there translating in Spanish he's probably walking in circles and going no comprende because it's not in the notes amen <laughs> amen but I'm going to tell you we got to take a stand school's about to start parents you better fight for your kids grandma grandpa you better fight for your kids you see that stuff happening, pull your kids and say, My, no, uh, 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 uh. Best thing I wish they'd let us do is take our tax dollars out of those schools and pay for our kids to go to a school where they're not sexually grooming them. Amen. Praise God. We're going to take a stand for that. We, we, we did Vacville. Thank God. We got out there a couple of weeks ago with all the churches that were represented in the city of Vacaville. We went to City Hall. We prayed. Uh, I led a prayer. We prayed and prayed that God would protect our city and our children from the LGBTQ wanted to come in and do a, a, a pride march. Thank God our city council. They heard our voices. We, they went into the, uh, uh, the chamber of, uh, cha of the house and they went and started singing Amazing Grace and praying. And they denied it to happen and fly the rainbow flag in, in the city of Vacaville. And I said, thank God there's enough righteous people willing to stand and say, we don't want that propaganda. We don't want that propaganda. Amen. That's not right or left. That's right and wrong. Amen. So standards, and let me, let me land the plane on this. Standards help distinguish the church from the world in, in dress, in conduct, in manners, in every way possible that we can distinguish ourselves from the world we should. That distinction is the difference. That distinction is the difference that brings pleasure to God. Or causes us to be out of favor with God. Amen. To God, our beauty is not in our physical features. Thank you, Lord. God does not judge us like a Miss America pageant. The prettiest get in. God does not see our beauty as in outwards. 
but rather in the spirit and character of the inner man. How beautiful it is to have God's spirit just radiating from our lives. The Bible said in Psalms 149 and 4 that he would beautify the meek with salvation. Amen? He would beautify the meek with salvation. If you'll come to the piano and play. He got up. Amen. It's fine. Amen. We can't be that serious. We're in the fellowship hall having church. Amen. Having our Bible lesson. Did you get anything out of tonight? So let me write this down so I won't forget it and I won't come back and teach this next week. I got to write where I left off. Brother Armano, I'm telling that to Brother Roberto because uh, he's always, where'd you leave off? Write it right there. Amen. (laughs) If I don't, I'll come back and I'll be going where I left off in Vacaville and it might be earlier or later. Amen. So here's what we're focusing on. There is a standard that's got to be raised. There is a conviction you need to have in your life that you are willing to lay down your life for. To say no further than this. What is your conviction? What is your core? What are you willing to compromise on? What are you willing to give wiggle room to? Because if there's wiggle room, the enemy will find it. And he'll exploit it. We need to be completely sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, I'm going to raise this banner. I'm going to live this standard because I belong to the Lord. And I want to be his. And I, I, I want him to be mine. Amen? And, and so my holiness, my holiness is worth raising the standard of distinction. I, I don't need a little fish symbol on the back of my pickup to tell everybody I'm a Christian. I want it to exude out of me. Have you ever, have you ever been around somebody that's just beautiful? It had nothing to do with their looks. It's a little easier for men, to, uh, women to say yes to that than men because men, we're outward creatures, right? That's why you typically don't have women judging at a Miss Universe contest because the, the, the women contestants be going, oh, I love her attitude. <laughs> right? And, and guys are just savages. They're, they're just objectifying them, right? It's how it is. Which I think people are sick that put their little girls in those things too. Anyway, going to let a bunch of grown men look at that little seven-year-old. Somebody ought to take you behind the woodshed. Fix that. Amen. My daddy had a cure for that. It was a 48-inch leather belt. and Boy, he cleaned it up quick. Amen. We need to lift that standard. Have you ever been around somebody that's just beautiful? Just had a beautiful spirit. That's what God wants from us. I I remember my grandmother, she was just known for being a beautiful lady and it had nothing to do. Of course, to me, she was the most beautiful grandma that ever lived. But when she walked in a room, people could, I I can remember going to restaurants and people walking over to her and go, excuse me, I just, I just want to tell you, I just, I just feel the love of God coming through you. And I remember people walking over, I can remember this one lady in particular, we were at Shoney's. He's feeling the Holy Ghost over here. <laughs> How many food poisonings did you get from Shoney's? Exactly. Quite a few. Amen. <laughs> Shoney's is like a doesn't pass the uh, health code Denny's. Amen. <laughs> but they got the best French toast, in my opinion. So we were at a Shoney's, and this lady, this lady probably in her 20s, late 20s, early 30s, walks over to my grandma. Never met her before. We're just sitting there. Shoney's is a buffet. And we're just, you know, chowing it down. We're getting our five ninety nines worth. And this lady walks over, very well-dressed, well-to-do, professional-looking lady. And she walks over to my grandmother. And she says, with big tears in her eyes, she goes, she said, you remind me of my mother. And my grandmother said, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. She goes, but my mother died when I was two. But she was such a... A godly lady. I don't remember her, but I remember that aura that she had. And she had big tears in her eyes. And, and she goes, can, can I put my head on your shoulder? And, of course, my grandma, like any grandma, well, come on, baby. <laughs> Before it was over, my grandma was burping her and everything else. 
She did everything but cradle her and sing to her. But she, she put her head on her chest. And, and come to find out, this woman's mom, as she pulled out pictures, she was an apostolic. And as she put her head on my, on my grandma's shoulder, and you got to know my grandma, boy, if she feels Jesus. She can't, you know, the Bible says, spirit of the prophet, subject to the prophet. She never read that scripture. <laughs> she put her head on her chest, and that woman just, she said when she put her head on my grandmother's chest, she said she felt that same aura exuding out of her. And my grandma, boy, she whipped her, she had that little bun on top of her head. She whipped her head around that bun, bobby pins, right across showing <laughs> And then she started saying, now in the name of Jesus, I bring this baby before you. And I ask you, oh God, to wrap your arms around. And she's doing that and she starts speaking. And this woman is just trembling and shaking and snobbing and crying. I mean, there was spit and snot and tears everywhere. I said that to say, that's the kind of presence of God we ought to have flow out of. You remind me of somebody. You remind There's just something different about you. What is that? I'm lifting the standard. I belong to the Lord. I'm his. He bought me with a price. I belong to him in my body and in my spirit. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I do feel that God, listen, God's church is a holy church. God's people are a holy people. There is a way that's called holiness. And we can walk in that way. We can become more like him by living what he wants us to live. Amen. I pray that you're able to make, to make a difference in somebody's life just by letting the presence of the Lord flow through you in the spirit of holiness. I want us to just lift our voices to the Lord right now. Amen. Let us just pray for a moment before we conclude our Bible lesson tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.